Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Means that the number one pick in the 2021 NBA draft goes to the Detroit Pistons. Who's got the number one pick in this year's Detroit. draft? Who's got the number one pick in this year's draft? Basketball! Select Isaiah Stewart. The Detroit Pistons select Killian Hayes. Sadiq, that was absolutely sensational. I don't know what went into that process. I met the criteria to be selected, but I wasn't. From long range. Oh! Yes! Yes! Detroit Basketball! What's going on, Pistons fans? Welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast brought to you by Believe. Aaron Johnson and Jasper Apollonia here with you. And, you know, Jasper and I, we were so, so excited for this week's show. We were teased with the return of Mike Inguilano. And about an hour and a half ago, right before we're, you know, an hour and a half before we're about to record, this guy one-ups us. He's got to back out of the show. He's got to go to a work meeting. He's big time. He's a big shot. And now you're stuck with just Jasper and I again. But Jasper, hey, you came here this week. Thank you for coming. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. I'm getting over the fact that Mike, just like the Detroit Tigers, uh, tries to get my hopes up and then expertly dashes them every year. Uh, it's it's really a common theme in my life right now. I'm, it's, it, it's very, uh, you know, ephemeral. It's quite allegorical, if you will. Uh, Plato, eat your heart out. But yes, I'm doing all right. I'm happy to be with you here. And as disappointed as I am not to have Mike with us, I do understand that when you're living that big money baller lifestyle, it's a grind every day. So Mike, big shout outs to you. Keep living, keep living it up. You're the new Gary V of the next generation. So, <laughs> yeah. we, will, we will try again next week with Mike. We got a couple of good topics to get into today. Uh, I'm not sure which one I'm I'm more interested in talking about, but they'll they'll be fun conversations as they they be here on the show. We're hitting on the we're hitting on the Mike Angulano NFT project that's coming up, <laughs> folks. You don't want to miss out on this. It's the investment opportunity of a lifetime. Yeah, can't wait to be sponsored by by Mike. Instead of him being a host on the show, he's going to be a sponsor of it for for his NFT project. <laughs> uh, I can't wait for it let's let's get into uh, our first topic before we do that though we do want to talk about our wonderful sponsor bet online uh, bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests and events with first to market odds and lines find reviews and news for every league including major league baseball nfl nba nhl combat sports esports and even golf bet online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting props and futures Head to bet online today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code believe 50 B L E A V five zero to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts. All right. So if you were a betting man, would you have bet on the Pistons to re-sign a player that they traded last season? and was brought back to the team because of a failed physical via the player he was traded for, would you have bet on them to bring him back in the next offseason? Because that's what Detroit just did. 
did. It was reported uh, by Keith Keith Smith that the, the Pistons had re-signed guard forward Rodney McGruder to a one-year contract. James Edwards of The Athletic then also confirmed it. Uh, it was at least a partial guarantee, if I recall correctly. I did not pull that up, so I apologize uh, for not having that information. But I do believe it was at least a partial guarantee contract, uh, making it sound as if Magruder will be one of those players battling for one of the final spots uh, on Detroit's roster for the 2022-2023 season. The Pistons, with the signing of Magruder, have 16 players on guaranteed contracts. Uh, and then they also have their two two-way spots filled as well so there is a player that's currently employed by the Pistons that's going to have to go it makes for an interesting discussion here even though you know we're still over a month out of training camp these are some of the discussions that you know even though the Pistons haven't gone to camp yet they're already starting to have because they're officially over the cap for their roster. They can't They can't have as many players as they currently do. They're going to have to cut at least one of these players. Rodney Magruder appears to be one of these guys fighting for the final spot. You know, I don't know who else is in that same situation. You know, you, you look at it maybe being a guy like Saban Lee, perhaps. Uh, they signed Kevin Knox to a two-year deal, so I don't feel as if he's one of those guys, even though – He's probably, uh, in terms of current talent level, the worst player on the roster. Maybe he's better than Saban Lee. Uh, I, I really don't know. And if you want to have a discussion on who's the 15th most talented player on uh, your NBA roster, you can do that somewhere else. We're not going to do that here right now. But Rodney Magruder, first off, Jasper, your initial thoughts on the Pistons deciding to bring him back, even if it's just for a little bit here. Well, I mean, frankly, it makes sense. Uh, he's a veteran locker room presence. He's obviously a guy that they value in, in that sense. And frankly, he's a guy that they've been able to depend on the last two seasons. Yes, he's only played 67 games and barely played in those 67 games, but he's been quite efficient. Uh, he's been able to step in and give them a little bit of shooting. And look, if, if I'm Saban Lee, I'm not feeling very good about my spot on this roster right now because the two of them are, like you just said, fighting it out for that 15th, 16th man role, um, you know, along with somebody like Kevin Knox. But Kevin Knox actually fills more of a need than having a fourth point guard. Rodney Gruder also is a little bit more versatile. He can play kind of one through three, depending on the lineup you're throwing out there, whereas Saban Lee is only an on-ball guard. So if I am saying, look, all I'm saying is I hope that Mike Angulano did not sell his house to Saban Lee because that was not a very good decision on Saban's part if he did. Um, <laughs> I'm not feeling good about his chances being in Detroit. Do I think he still has a chance to get picked up for another team, maybe make another two-way? Sure. Uh, you know, he is a very, very quick guard and he did show flashes his rookie year, but Frankly, he didn't look good in summer league. He didn't look good last year. And when we're talking about end of the bench players, Rodney Magruder's outplayed him over the last two seasons, plain and simple. So if I'm looking at it from that perspective, I actually do think Rodney Magruder more likely than not will beat out Saban Lee for a roster spot. 
Perhaps he won't, but it really won't be a big deal either way as these are the definition of like break in case of emergency type of players. These are the kind of guys that only should be seeing the court for you if things have gone extremely, extremely wrong for the franchise this season. Yeah, I thought I thought this was an interesting decision um, just because of what I mentioned earlier. Like this is a guy that, that the franchise traded last year midseason uh, at the deadline to acquire Bull Bull. Then the trade was rescinded because Bobo failed his physical. And Aaron, it's so crazy that Rodney Magruder was actually suited up and on the bench for Denver for one of those games. I I do wonder if that's ever happened before in NBA history. I'm sure it has, but still kind of crazy to think that the trade got rescinded, even though the guy actually suited up for the, for the other team that he got traded to. Right. The the field physical parts, nothing new for for the Pistons. I mean, we saw that, uh, you know, during the Stan Van Gundy era, era with uh, Donatus Matayunas, but the part where Magruder was legitimately on Denver's bench for a game, dressed to play. Now he didn't play, but he was dressed to. I I, I don't know if there there are any. If there are, it's very few cases where where that's actually happened in the NBA. Um, but I I thought it was interesting that they decided to bring him back after that. I don't think there would be. I think. Some players would absolutely decide, I, I like X that team off the list of even considering going back there. Um, maybe a player like Ryan Magruder doesn't necessarily have that ability, uh, because he is a back end roster guy. You know, maybe there weren't four or five teams lining up to to sign Rodney Magruder. Um, but he is that that pros pro that everyone talks about in the locker room. Um, so for him to not have that that type of, of attitude isn't surprising. Um, but he, he, even so, like the signing does in a vacuum make sense. This is a guy that, you know, on a team that is very, very bad shooting wise, actually can shoot the basketball. Um, but again, you're right. He is not a guy that should be playing minutes for the Pistons. This is a move that whether he makes the roster or Saban Lee makes the roster, or if there's a third candidate, a dark horse candidate, somewhere else that on this roster that makes it over or makes it over to these other guys, it, it really shouldn't matter. And, and that's because these guys just aren't good enough players to matter on good enough teams. Uh, so this signing just doesn't really mean all that much, much to me, whether they pick Magruder, they pick Lee or, or they pick someone else, or maybe they keep them both. And, and they're trying to, to offload another contract right now, like a Kelly Linick, which is something that we've talked a little bit about before. Like this is a guy that in you know, a Linick might not be on this roster uh, come the beginning of the season. You know, we do know that the NBA is essentially in a holding pattern right now across the league as teams continue to wait uh, on, on Kevin Durant and on Kyrie Irving uh, and even now on Donovan Mitchell. Um, so this isn't necessarily uh, the final version of the roster that you're going to see come October. Um, but at the same time, you know, this is, it. it's, it's fine that the Pistons brought him back. Uh, he's not a guy that's, you know, obviously he's not breaking the bank for Detroit. He's not putting them in a tough cap spot. And honestly, if we really are going to have that debate over who the Pistons should have uh, as their 15th guy on the roster, I would prioritize a shooter rather than a fourth point guard on a roster that has Cade Cunningham, Killian Hayes, Corey Joseph, 
Jaden Ivy. Like there are enough ball handlers on this team right now. Uh, there are there's nowhere near enough shooting on this roster. Um, so I would absolutely value the guy that, in an absolute pinch, could come in and help space the floor a little bit over a guy that, outside of G League success, really has not proven himself uh, at the NBA level. So overall, this move doesn't move me in, in, in any real way. I don't feel too strongly about it. I think it's fine. Um I'm not sure if you've been anything else to add on this. I know this is kind of a quick topic. I don't think it needs to be an elongated topic because at the end of the day, this is not, it is not a make or break move for, for the Pistons next year. No, not at all. I think if anything, Aaron, it's more indicative of the fact that the franchise is in a good place, obviously in terms of its relationships with its players, the fact that Rodney and Magruder got traded uh, and then came back and still wanted to resign in Detroit. I think it's a really good really good sign uh, for that front office that they have good relationships with players, even if they do move on from them. I think it's also probably a good sign that you have somebody like that in your locker room, somebody that is a veteran that knows it's just a business that's treating it like a business and is likely going to impart those same kind of thoughts onto the players um, that are younger than him, that are in the locker room along with him. Your guys like Kate Cunningham, Jaden Ivey, just like you said. So, yeah, obviously in terms of like on the court impact, it should not matter really at all. But in terms of off the court impact, in terms of like looking into the health of your franchise, I think the fact that Rodney Magruder is back speaks volumes, again, to where to where the, the Pistons are right now. One final thing I'll say on this is, you know, the with Magruder, the Pistons now – Four guys on the roster that are over the age of 30, him, Corey Joseph, and then Kelly Olynyk and Alec Burks. Uh, everyone else outside of, of Nerlings Noel is essentially 25 and under. Um, so I will say that that might play a factor. Um, this is a team that does probably need some veteran guys in the locker room. I'm of the mindset that while having veteran guys is nice, they need to be more player player guys that can actually give you value and give you minutes rather than end of roster spot guys that, you know, might be not necessarily wasting a roster space, but it maybe isn't the most valuable way to use that final roster space. But on the flip side, maybe the Pistons feel that Magruder does provide them enough value, um, you know, at that 14th, 15th roster spot, uh, and brings that that veteran presence as well. So uh, I think that's where we're going to wrap up that conversation on Rodney McGruder on the the 15th roster spot. We might have some more on that, uh, you know, in the coming weeks as we get towards training camp. Uh, but we're still, again, a month plus out of training camp. So let's move on to our second topic. This is probably the topic that I'm most intrigued to talk about. I like these uh, these these topics that become more of a debate. You get into more analysis, and we're going to talk about what player on the Detroit Pistons roster has the most to prove next season. I think you look across this roster, it's a very young group. There are a lot of guys that, in reality, aren't fully proven yet. And, and even some of these guys that maybe are proven that they're NBA players are not proven to be what they need to be for, for this Detroit team near near future 
and long term. So right now and long term, Jasper, I'll start with you. Who's the piston in your mind that that has the most to prove in the 2022-2023 season? Well, Aaron, when I was first thinking about this, what I was thinking about was perhaps guys that are on the fringes of the roster. Killian Hayes, maybe your Isaiah Stewart's guys that are looking to take a step forward this year and and see what kind of players they are. But for me, I'm going to take somebody that maybe uh, isn't the first person that you think of when you think, hey, this guy needs to prove he belongs. It's Cade Cunningham for me. And the reason I say this is not because Cade Cunningham needs to prove that he is a good player. We know he's a good player. It's not because Cade Cunningham needs to prove that he is the future of this franchise, at least in the short term, because we know this is the guy they are building around. When I say Cade Cunningham, in my opinion, has something to prove this year, I think it's more in regards to his ceiling. How far can Cade Cunningham take this roster? How far can Cade Cunningham take his own abilities? How much can he grow as a player and as a leader? What is his ceiling? And when I think about where this franchise is going, it's all going to depend on just how good Cade Cunningham is. So when I look forward to the season, I'm looking forward not just to see growth from Cade, because I know I'm going to see it, not just to see that he's a good player, because I know he is, but how good can he be? Is he a top 10 player? Or is he a top 20 player, top 25 player? Because the difference between a top 10 player in this league and a top 25 player in this league is massive. We're talking top, I'm sorry, yes. What's his realistic, since you started throwing out, you know, tier of player, top 10, top 20, top 20, what do you think that realistic ballpark is for him next year? I mean, do you think he can get, you know, that high top 25 in year two? Or or where do you think that number lies for next year? Oh, I certainly think he can get top 25 next year. I certainly think he can. Um, I mean, you look at who are the top 25 players in the league. We're talking about guys like, and obviously this is debatable. But we're talking about guys like Jalen Brown and Fred Van Bleet and Drew Holiday and Zach Levine. Those kinds of players, maybe Chris Middleton. Um, We're talking about guys that are really, really, really good, but not the best player on a championship team. And the difference between a top 25 guy like a Jalen Brown and a top 10 guy like a Jason Tatum is the difference between this team going somewhere and this team going all the way. So when I look for Kate Cunningham next year, what I'm looking to see from him is that kind of leap that you see from primary ball handlers in their second year. This is, across the board, usually the case. We saw it from John Moran. He went in his first year from being very good to his second year taking the Grizzlies to the playoffs. We saw it from Trey Young. He had a very good rookie season, but his second season, he almost dropped 30 points a game. Saw it from Luka Doncic. Great first season, all-NBA second season. Kevin Durant, no different. Issues with efficiency, especially in his outside shot. People forget KD shot 28% from three as a rookie. So generational basketball players struggling with efficiency in year one. LeBron, the same issue, is nothing new. What I'm looking to see from Kate Cunningham is how much of a leap he takes in that second year. Is he going from being a very promising but somewhat flawed creator 
primary option um, to being a full-blown all-star? Or is it just more of a slow general progression? When I say Kate Cunningham has something to prove, for me, that's what it is. How high is that ceiling? I, I think year two is really when it's going to start to show itself. Because yes, while there is not the level of shooting that you need on the roster still, there is other talent. And there are now in Jaden Ivey, other players that can give you looks that are different from Kate Cunningham on the perimeter. You have an extra year of growth from Sadiq Bey. You have an extra year of growth from Isaiah Stewart. Where can Cade Cunningham go to? When I'm looking for him next year, I'm trying to see that. Is this the next Trey Young? Is this the next John Morant, Luka Doncic, whatever? Or is he simply the next Zach Levine? Is he simply the next, you know, rich man's Drew Holiday? Something like that. Um, for me, that's the biggest question going into next year when it came to Kate Cunningham. I like that. I like that a lot. I think that you make some 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 really good points. I don't know if Cade gets to to top twenty five next year, but at the same time, if this is a guy that that's averaging, you know, we've thrown this number out there before, this line out there before. If he's averaging twenty two six and six, and he's shooting 36 percent from the three point line, he's probably gonna be pretty close to that at least. If he's not there, he's going to at least be top 35. And if you look at how he played in the second half of last season, he was essentially averaging that after the All-Star break once he was playing 35 minutes a night instead of the the 30 he was playing in the first half of the year. So I I, I really like that because it is the most important thing uh, for the Pistons long-term, for the Pistons near in the, in the directly next season. Nothing else yeah. matters as much as what Kate Cunningham turns into and how fast he turns into it. Literally nothing else matters nearly as much because nobody else has that same type of ceiling. When we talk about Kate Cunningham, we're talking about a player has a top 10 player in the league ceiling. Some might even say higher, but let's just be neutral and say top 10. So whatever he does is going to be most important, whether it's good or bad, whether he doesn't take the leap or he does that will be the most important thing for the Pistons no matter what Jaden Ivey does in year one no matter what Isaiah Stewart or Sadiq Bey does in year three no matter what type of impact uh, anyone else that was brought onto the team has in their first season with Detroit what matters most is whatever Kate Cunningham can be what he does do so I really like that and I thought you did a great job kind of laying that all out Aaron, I, I want to quickly say one thing because you said you're not sure he can take that leap into top 25 player. I think if he doesn't, that is a little bit of a sign for worry for exactly the reasons I just laid out. Maybe you don't think he's KD, Luka level, but who do you think were better prospects? Trey Young and LaMelo Ball or Kate Cunningham? Of those three guys, who was the best prospect in your opinion? Probably Kate Cunningham. Okay, well, those other – well, guess what? Aaron, those other two guys in their second years made an all-star team. I mean, dude, Trey Young dropped 29-9-4 and four his second season of the league. LaMelo just last year dropped 27.5 assists, 
and almost seven rebounds, plus a steal and a half per game. So, Aaron, I'll actually make the argument, if Cade doesn't take that leap into at least top 30 player in the league next year, I actually think that that is speaking to what I'm saying. That's a little bit of a cause for concern because that second year is when those top 15 type players make that leap. And if you think he's a better prospect than LaMelo and Trey Young, then there's no reason he shouldn't take that kind of leap too. That's fair. That That's very fair. I mean, I think he's, you know, he can absolutely take that leap into the ballpark. I don't know if he necessarily gets all the way into the top 25. He certainly can. Don't know if, you know, if I was going on bet online and making that bet, I don't know if I'd place it. But but at least an all-star level player. That's what we're saying. Yeah. Top 30. There's 15 sure. players on each all-star team. Sure. He's he's a, forget top 25. Top 30. Is he an all-star level player next year? If he's not, that is – I'm not going to give up on Kate. Don't get me wrong. But I'm going to start taking a step back and reevaluating where he's at. I've just got to be honest. Because you have to. There's a track record of too many players in the NBA who are at that top level that have made that leap in second year in their second year for me not to look at it like that. The leap that Cunningham has to take from the second half of last year to to this upcoming season to be an all-star level player really is is not that big of a leap because no. He, he really was an all-star level player post-all-star break last year. The efficiency comes up a little bit shooting-wise. The turnovers go down a little bit. This is a guy that's going to be averaging 22-7-6. and six. That is an absolute all-star level player. So you're, you're, on, you're on there. I don't disagree with you. So let's, let's make that clear. I'm, I'm not in disagreement. I do want to go in a completely different way with my pick. My pick is Killian Hayes, and it's not – uh, you know, what type of, of, of player can he be? What type of, you know, can he be an all-star? There's, can he can be top 20. I'm talking about Killian Hayes proving he belongs on the Pistons roster long-term. Every good team in the NBA has good to great backup guard play. Look at Memphis. Look at the leap that they took this year. Like, obviously, John Morant, Desmond Bain, huge. You know, the health of Jaron Jackson, huge. What was very, very important for them, especially it got shown in the playoffs, having trade, tra- excuse me, I'm forgetting his first name. I'm mixing him up with his brother, Ty- Tyus Jones. <laughs> having Tyus Jones as a backup pointer. Man, that's a terrible way to make a point when you forget the first name of, of the of the player. But Ty- having Tyus Jones was critical for Memphis. Look that's at- why they paid him. Exactly. He got $15 million a year as a backup point guard. It's so important. I mean, look at uh, just some of these other guys. That that are so super super important, and they're you know coming off the bench. They're backups. They're you know they'll, they'll start sometimes, but these are guys that are backing up, coming off the bench. Tyler Hero. Hell, look at Jose Alvarado for for New Orleans in, well, in the playoffs. I mean, Aaron, just look at just look at Golden State during all their title runs. Leandro Barbosa, Sean Livingston, Jordan Poole. They've had great great bench guards. The list can go on and on and on. I mean, Ricky Rubio, Peyton Pritchard, Derek White, like serious, serious guys that really can impact, you know, how a team performs. Can Killian Hayes prove he's he's that type of guy? He's going to be 21. He just turned 21, so he's going to be early 21 years old. 
uh, once the season starts. This is a guy that that last year under seven points a game, four assists. The shooting got worse uh, from the three point line. It got better from inside the arc. The jump inside the arc was was definitely good to see. It's not good enough, but forty five percent from inside the arc, still only twenty six percent from the three point line. This is a player that I think even if he has disappointed the Pistons, the fan base in terms of how he's played in his first two seasons, I still think he has immense importance to this team because I don't think that the Pistons have a backup point guard that can, that can be that same type of player that we talked about on a playoff level team. Corey Joseph isn't that. I mean, we're talking about Saban Lee potentially not being on the roster next year. So obviously he's not that. Alec Burks, you know, he can play some point. He also plays on the wing. Uh, I don't love him as much completely handling the ball. I'd love to see him off the ball, uh, you know, just being a floor spacer because of the playmaking ability of guys like Cunningham and Killian Hayes. I really, really want to see a meaningful jump from Killian Hayes. And that doesn't mean he needs to become a 40% three-point shooter. I don't think that's realistic anymore. Uh, but we just need to see him be comfortable and be healthy because when he's both of those things, we have seen him make an impact on how the Pistons play. We have seen him string the ball, string the offense together because he's confident and he's able and he's healthy. This is a kid that seemingly every other game he plays in, it's taking a shot to the ribs, is twisting his hand. It's getting a concussion. Like, I don't know like how that happens. I don't know if it's just immensely bad luck, but this is just not a guy that we've been able to see put together a, a real season in, in the NBA yet going into year three with this team starting to put the pieces together to make that jump into a feisty young team looking to be a playoff play in team looking to make the playoffs. Like they essentially drafted his replacement uh, of of partner next to Kate Cunningham and Jaden Ivey. But there's also no guarantee that, that Jaden Ivey is going to be able to be that guy. Like, let's be real. We thought Killian Hayes was going to be the the point guard of the future for the Pistons when, when they drafted him in, in, in 2020. So as excited as everyone is about Jaden Ivey, it's not a done deal that he's walking in day one and is going to be ready to play alongside Kate Cunningham for, for 30, 35 minutes a night. So having a guy like Killian Hayes is going to be very, very important for this team next year and in the future. And I still believe that there is something there with Killian Hayes, even though I've spent essentially every podcast since midway through last year, essentially completely taking myself off the Killian Hayes train. I do still believe he can be a player. I don't believe he can be the same player that I thought he could be when the Pistons drafted him a couple of years ago when I said he was the best prospect in the draft over guys like LaMelo Ball, over guys like Anthony Edwards. Uh, But I still believe in Killian Hayes. If he stays healthy, makes some improvement as a shooter, as a finisher, what he does defensively, what he does as a distributor, as a threat in the pick and roll, if the Pistons can curtail their offensive scheme to allowing him to be more of a playmaker in the pick and roll, play with these athletic bigs that that the Pistons are putting on the roster, play with shooting around him, 
I think you're going to see a much better version of Killian Hayes and having quality guards across my roster, whether they're starting or coming off the bench is very, very important for me when I'm putting together what I feel is going to be a contender, a playoff level team in the NBA. Yes. Cade Cunningham is obviously the most important piece. Yes. Jaden Ivy is super, super important as well. But Killian Hayes being that third guard, we don't know what Alec Burke's future in Detroit is going to be, right? This is a guy that's going into, you know, the final season of a, of a deal. He could very much walk at the end of next season. You need to find fo- foundational pieces. And that can be foundational pieces can be guys that come off the bench. Like I said, Tyus Jones in Memphis is the absolute perfect example but there are plenty others across the board. The leap for Killian Hayes in year three, very, very important to me. If he doesn't make that leap, I'm not sure that the Pistons can afford to spend time, spend money on keeping him on the roster. So it's very important to me to see what 21 years old Killian Hayes looks like for the Pistons in the 2022-23 season. Aaron, I totally agree with you in pretty much everything you said. And to be completely honest, Half the reason I picked Cade Cunningham as my player is because I knew you'd go with Killian Hayes. Uh, he, he's the obvious guy here. He absolutely needs to improve if he wants a, a spot on this roster long-term. And for all the reasons you just laid out, not only does it behoove him to do so, it also behooves the team for him to improve. They need somebody like him. Yeah, even if he's not a starter alongside Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey, He still can be a crucial part of this team. And, you know, you brought up Tyus Jones. I'm going to go back to another guy I compared us to because I think the parallels are almost eerily similar. Sean Livingston. Uh, We're talking about another player who came into the league at 19 years old, really high draft pick, had a lot of problems with injuries, had a lot of problems with scoring, especially with scoring efficiently despite being a great defender and despite being a great playmaker at an extremely young age. Now, obviously Livingston's ceiling was a little bit higher. I mean, six foot seven point guard. Killian Hayes is a big boy and he's pretty strong, but six foot seven point guards don't just grow on trees. Um, Livingston was a little bit different in that sense. But when you look at the numbers, um, when you look at the struggles in terms of efficiency, and when you look at the playing style, They are really similar. Now, Livingston never developed an outside shot. But what he did do was he developed a deadly finishing game. And especially when it came to that top of the top of the key uh, jumpers. And one of those things you saw Killian Hayes working on and succeeding on, especially in the latter half of last season, was exactly that. Working his way inside the three point line, getting to the top of the key and then shooting. And I thought he looked pretty good. Really good comparison. I I really, I mean, look up the numbers, look at the, the basketball reference page. It was just something I thought of at the top of my head. And then looking at it, I actually was like, wow, it's, they're eerily similar. Um, we're talking about guys that actually decreased in their scoring, their, their second year, decreased in their assists, their second year, slightly better efficiency. And then in the third year, you really saw Livingston turn it on. Obviously, that happened before he had that devastating knee injury that straight up almost killed him. Um, But Killian Hayes, just like Sean Livingston, has been very injury prone to begin his career. So I think of something like that and where Livingston's career ended up going 
where he focused on his strengths. And even though he lost so much of his athleticism, he maintained his role as a stupendous defender, as a great playmaker off the bench, as a reliable, dangerous scorer, even if he wasn't a volume scorer. And I think about Killian Hayes, that's the type of player I want to see him start to become this year. I don't need to see him shoot 50% from outside. But you know what I do need to see him do? I need to see him shoot 50% from inside the arc. I need to see him show that he can finish at the rim and provide something in that 13 to 15 foot range as well. Because if he could do that and combine it with his defense, combine it with his passing, you've got a great player. Uh, really a great role player, the type of guy that makes the difference between being a playoff team and being a championship contender. So I'm a hundred percent in agreement with you there, Aaron. I think it's a huge year for Killian Hayes. Yeah. And, and, and there's obviously other guys that, that can be talked about, you know, in this same conversation. I mean, some would certainly say Sadiq Bay, you know, can he be that Chris Middleton type you know, secondary guy, next to a star um some will say isaiah stewart i mean we've had these similar types of conversations about guys that do have some stuff to prove still and i think those two names certainly uh, are near the top of that list alongside cunningham alongside a killian hayes i think another guy that's per- perhaps interesting here is is marvin bagley i mean he got paid but uh, i think it, it's not going to be automatic for him to, to like, I don't know if he's necessarily, I don't know the best way to phrase this. He's going to get at the beginning of the year, but I don't think it's a spot where the Pistons are, are, are going to be forced to play him because there's enough depth and enough wings and bigs on this team that are going to fight him for minutes. Like if he doesn't come out and perform, I know he just got some, some good money but the Pistons aren't going to be able to just waste the season and, and not play some of these other guys like Isaiah Livers. You know, they have 12 million also tied up in Kelly Olenek. They traded for Nerlens Noel. They have Isaiah Stewart who they're trying to play at the four. Hell, they just drafted Jalen Duran. So I, it's not necessarily a guarantee that Bagley's going to be given all this time to figure it out still. I mean, he's, he's 23 now. So, it's going to have to to all come together for him uh, this year. So I, it's it's not like there's only a, two or three players that, that can be talked about here. I mean, again, this is a very, very young team that all of them have a lot, lot to prove. So uh, you could certainly go a bunch of different ways in this conversation. But I think Kate Cunningham and Killian Hayes are, are two guys that have really strong cases uh, in this conversation. Absolutely. I think the thing with Marvin Bagley, just quickly, because you brought him up, I think the thing for him is like, is he just a jumpy jump guy that helps get Cade and Ivy and Killian lobs? Or is he a legitimate like part of this core? And that all comes down to his defense. Let's be real. It's it's that simple. We know he can score. I'm not even really, you know, the outside shooting, whatever. That's not that important compared to can he just be, I mean, not even a good defender. Can he just be not horrible? Like, that's really all I'm asking for. Just not to be a, a giant negative on that end of the floor. Because if he can, you know, if he can even get to, like, just neutral, net neutral, then, hey, that's a really useful player for, for this team. So you're totally right, Aaron. A lot of guys that 
absolutely can be talked about in this discussion. And I'm sure that many people um, will have their own personal choices here, but you're 100% correct in saying this is a big year for a lot of those players really to see where they are, not just in the rotation this season, but in the team's plans moving forward when they're trying to win. Curious to know who you guys think needs to take the biggest leap next year or has the most to prove for the Pistons next year. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, definitely let us know in the comment section below. But Jasper, that was you know about 40 minutes. It's what we've been doing lately. Uh, anything else you want to add before we wrap this one up here? No, nothing else. Uh, just, you know, waiting for the season to get started, man. These dog days of summer are always hard, but, you know, what What can I say? Down here at the good old basketball content factory, we believe in providing you folks with solid, wholesome, uh, homemade, delicious content to fill <laughs> your little eardrums up. So we hope you enjoy it as always. And yeah, please let us know what you think in the comments section. As the season starts rolling around, we're going to have Obviously, podcasts every week, but more written content coming as well. So keep an eye out for that on our website, palaceofpistons.com. Yeah, no doubt we are officially into the the dog days uh, of the NBA offseason. August. August is the most quiet month uh, in, in the NBA offseason. I think the one thing we'll get this month is the schedule release. At some point, we don't have an official date as of now, but it does tend to release well, midway through August. So hopefully we'll have that within uh, the next week or two. Maybe there's something there that we'll be able to to connect with the Pistons and discuss. I know everyone loves those those conversations about, oh, the five-game Western Conference road trip mm-hmm. and all that. So I'm hopefully we can get that uh, relatively soon. We can also talk about how the Pistons got no national TV games or one national TV game uh, while the Lakers got 29 this year and the Knicks got 30. So – Those conversations will be coming. Don't you worry, folks. But for now, that's going to do it on this week's edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast brought to you by Believe. Thank you to our sponsor, Bet Online. We will see you guys next week. Take it easy, everyone. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.